Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in to the PWF Empire podcast. Jay here, along with Dalton and Mr. DJ Cass. Or excuse me, I have to pay my proper respects to Dalton here. He is the Canadian sensation, international man of mystery, Dalton. There we go. Yeah, long ass title. When you hit, when you say my name, you best put some respect on it. Give me my props. <laughs> oh my God, what terrible acting that was! You're gonna need to I work know on that. That shirt was hater. You are a hater to the max. Seriously, <laughs> that shirt is awesome. Don't to your credit, good times, dude. To your credit, I liked your shirt. I might have been the only person who watched that YouTube video who did like that shirt. See, and I don't even. I don't. Why would I take? fashion advice from Cass anyway. I'd be surprised to find out that you own any piece of clothing that isn't wrestling merchandise. Mr. 4AJ Shirts. Shut up, dog. <laughs> See, I, I, I don't expect for most people to be fashion forward. So, you know, I, I have to consider the source. When people were talking about my my clothing choices, but you know what? I got something else for you guys. The next video, just wait. Um, before we get there, we do have this show to deal with, and later on in this episode, we will be inviting Tony to the podcast. She called me out on Twitter, and I fired some shots back. So she'll be here to concede, and uh, yeah, that's that. But anything got you guys want to talk about in the meantime? Cannot wait for this damn WrestleMania trip. I keep counting down the days, and I'm trying not to. Now, uh, I think we're at um, 34, 33. Where it's it's less than a month away. It, it, oh, I, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, we're like in the 20s like now. 23. <laughs> Dalton yeah. is trying to add time to the damn trip. Like we we didn't broke the, the the month mark, and now he's going in the other direction. But yeah, <laughs> pardon me, I got distracted by my roommate opening the door. Um, <laughs> you want to talk about something that I think is uh, really heating up on the road to WrestleMania here? I want to talk about what I would uh, say is the most heated feud going into WrestleMania, unarguably. The Miz and John Cena, and I guess Maurice and Nikki Bella, for that matter. And I guess go ahead, give them their props too. Those the, the ride or die chicks, Maurice I've, and Nikki. I mean, they've they've done their parts. I, I really appreciate their own odes to the Attitude Era, answering back with you know sprinkling in the B word uh, on the microphone here and there. They are they, they they've pop. they've proven themselves to be ride or die chicks. Um, in this war of words that we've entered with John Cena in The Miz, this week I really feel The Miz got his one-up on John Cena. Because last week, while they both had good showings, I think it was unquestionable that John Cena shut Miz down when he had to. And Miz, you know, it's not like he didn't have defensible points. It's just that he couldn't. John Cena said everything he needed to say. And this week, for Miz to come off with, Sorry, John, but you don't get a woman to sign a contract to be your girlfriend dead, D-E-D, dead. It, it really feels like The Miz got a hold of every single episode of Total Divas and sat there with a notepad and wrote down every little questionable thing about their relationship. And for John just yeah. to say, oh, well the, well, the company wouldn't let us address our relationship on air, that's a real political answer. I really appreciated The Miz for bringing this up here. Yeah, this was a, an awesome segment if i do say so myself and i mentioned this on twitter miz he's great on the mic he has been for years in wwe but there's something about him in this feud with john cena that every single time he opens his mouth venom comes out there's a there's a bite and what The Miz is talking about. And I don't know if it's rooted in reality. Like, there is some legit bad feelings harbored between The Miz and John Cena, or if he's just a great actor. But whatever it is, The Miz is knocking it out of the damn 
Park. I love just sitting back and hearing him on the mic with all of these things that he has to say. And what you were talking about, Dalton, him attacking that relationship of John Cena and Nikki, great stuff. And also the the line about it being nothing more than brand building for Cena. Because yeah. a lot of folks out there will look at John Cena and they would love to believe that that is the person that he is. Every single move that he makes, it's political in nature. He's just continuing to add to this legacy of his, the, the marketing gimmick that is the character, John Cena. So for The Miz to provide a voice to those people, to be the voice of the voiceless, so to say, <laughs> it was nice. Really liking it so far. I actually have no real thoughts on this whole thing. While Miz, isn't it? While I did think Miz was great, in the back of my mind, I just can't help thinking that in the end of the day, that I know all this is being filmed for that total divas or total bells crap. And it's just for me. Yeah, sure, we know you will, but um, (laughs) like. Like my, my only issue is it's kind of like I, I like what, when they bring realism in, but it's just it's like I always like to know what the end result is going to be towards this. Even though I did did say last week that this is basically a celebrity mixed tag team match, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now, guys. Let's actually give James Ellsworth and Carmella a little bit of credit, and let's actually give Ellsworth some credit for wearing some short ass cheetah cheetah panties whatever those were on a Tuesday night but the ways that you saw um why are God we giving cheetah, him credit for this because he's actually you, doing his role you guys ass kicked you can give Ellsworth credit for wearing as you called them short ass cheetah panties but you're dissing <laughs> Jay for his shirt Jay's shirt yeah, we'll get on are, everybody. Jay's they're not incomparable they are incomparable there yeah so but like I you guys might find this weird, but I think the sequence that we saw from Nikki and John Tuesday is exactly what's going to happen at WrestleMania with the Miz and Maurice. I really I, do think I that's going to happen. I hope that WWE realizes how friggin' cheesy that was. Because I was sitting back watching that like they need to get beat the hell up for this. And I'm glad <laughs> yeah. that Maurice and Miz beat them up afterwards because and and that's something that I hope we don't see too much of or at the very least if we see it if we see it Miz and Maurice hit them back because that's so damn corny my god well think about (laughs) it I mean Maurice hasn't had any ring time and I'm surprised I haven't tried to give her any ring time since uh since this match is probably um going to happen like i guarantee you maurice probably will not get in the ring unless like the advantage like shift towards them and this shift towards them and this match. like i'll be honest with you i really do think this mixed tag team match is going to be a bit of a squash can we can i just go ahead and say this as much as i like maurice the bar is not set that high there you go i was gonna say like we don't know what maurice can do in the ring that well, and we know Nikki's isn't that impressive, so it's not like she's, I, 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 I completely disagree. I completely disagree. Who is this? We are, are you all of a sudden French? I like that international man of mystery from Canada. Are you from French too, or, or France? I, <laughs> no, I'm from I, British. I, I'm from British Columbia, which is English, the English part of Canada. But no, no. But no, I, I, I really like Nikki in the ring. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I like her when she's only beating somebody down if she can't sell regardless my point was uh the point that i was going with is you thought that that whole sequence was corny as did i and the thing that i think it speaks to is that because john cena and nikki bella's relationship on screen is so new as far as the company addressing it there's a lot of awkwardness that they have to work out because even even last week as much as i enjoyed that segment and i I was enthralled for the entirety of it um this week, I wasn't so much enthralled with what was going on in the ring because I don't know if it was that, you know, they didn't rehearse the spot prior to it going off on TV, but even even their kiss last week, you know, I'm not going to criticize them as humans. They can do their own shit. But I, I certainly did notice the fact that because we haven't, we're not used to seeing them on TV, it's like there's this expectation. Well, I am. 
well, you're the only one that watches that show. You're the reason the ratings might be whatever they are. The point being that the there is some general awkwardness that comes with Nikki Bella and John Cena on TV, at least that I've picked up. And I would hope that's not a deterrent to the remaining three weeks we have for this build because I'm I'm still going to enjoy this match, but it will be it's scaring this whole thing. Yes, I would agree. Well, even if there is some awkwardness that comes into play, I think it plays right into the Miz's hand because as we saw him on SmackDown talking about how manufactured it was and things like that, he looks as it he looks at it as if their relationship is a business decision. So if that is going to be a part of the feud, then hey, take it and run with it. Make something out of it. And so far, he is. Was I the only person that found it weird that for some reason Cena sold this shot um, being launched into the steel steps like he ain't never been launched into that before? <laughs> and he and even Nicky are just like laying down like while Miz is just like yeah just he cut a full ass promo in the ring and they're just down there moments <laughs> like that I wonder what's going through the person that's selling what's going through their head. Like, you, you you can't be sitting there for, like, five and ten yeah. minutes acting like you're writhing in pain. Like, I, I would love an alternate camera shot where it's just on John Cena the whole freaking time just to see what he's doing. Just oh, what he's that's the kind of thing where I I, uh, I can't remember where I saw it, but it, there was a – it was the bit where Dean Ambrose had a hot dog cart, it, and <laughs> Orton's supposed to be selling that he's injured, and he just kind of – crawls over to the hot dog cart and eats a hot dog while he's supposed to be on the ground <laughs> out of camera shot. That's where I think Cena and Nikki are like, wrap it up. <laughs> Let's talk about this AJ Styles versus Randy Orton matchup. Fantastic match. Yes. They hyped Absolutely. that matchup. It was fantastic, but they hyped that matchup way too much. Well, it, I, they had to because these are two legends in the industry and them competing in their first singles match against each other, that is a big deal. Which Maybe, it was all freaking pay-per-view though, but yeah, I got I just know how we thing. got it. That's the thing. It should have occurred elsewhere. Maybe yeah. it shouldn't have been on the weekly TV show. But the the fact is like wherever it was, they had to hype it up like it was a big deal because it was. Yeah, um, it's just like it, it's like like I said, I enjoyed the matchup, and I actually really liked the spot of the match, like where the RKO out of nowhere false spot, because I really liked that because that made AJ Styles' character look smart, very, very smart, and that hurt. That actually works in AJ's favor in the long run in terms of character development. But I'm going and I'm listening to them like hype this up, and I'm like, have you not seen Big Show versus Brock Lesnar when uh, they broke the ring? Have you not seen Eddie Guerrero versus JBL in a steel cage match for the WWE Championship? Have you not seen Edge versus uh, Kurt Angle? Have you not seen Edge versus uh, Eddie Guerrero in a no disqualification match? Have you not seen Edge and Hulk Hogan taking on uh taking on? Oh man, I'm blanked out again. <laughs> you do really for the tag team titles, and it's like you want to. Yeah, we've had better main events than yeah. that, but I get the point. But you notice out of all of those matches that you just named there, I don't think any of them happened within the last five years. That's a good point. Or maybe even, you know, 10 years. For this era of SmackDown, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton, that is one of the biggest matches that you can put on. Oh, yeah. That is is definitely a marquee match. Um, And going to, to what you guys said, I really enjoyed it. It's one of those matches where, yes, it shouldn't have happened here, but it's something that I'm uh, I'm wishing would have got more time. It's something yeah. that deserves 20 to 25 minutes on a pay-per-view because uh, I really think their, uh, their styles <laughs> contrast each other really well. Um, Would you say their styles clash? Ooh, ooh, uppercut. <laughs> um, that RKO false bat, false spot. That is going to be a viral video. Like that is going to be yeah. the complimentary Randy Orton video for the next two years. Um, that was really well placed, and I, that finishing sequence, for that matter, the entire finishing sequence with the false spot, uh, the the miss four fifty. Uh, 
and then the uh, lifting RKO, the press slam into the RKO. That whole thing mm-hmm. was timed very, very well. Um, and I think it makes AJ really do, uh, look as if he's being screwed over here because he already beat Luke Harper in what he thought was going to put him in the number one contender spot. So to find out he won that match for basically no reason, um, mm-hmm. and then to lose it to Randy Orton and then get frustrated with Shane McMahon, um, despite the fact that on paper Shane and AJ does not sound all that impressive to me, at, at least for what I saw, I thought it did very well to set up this angle. Um, I will. One thing though about that, at the beginning of the show, Shane was Shane. in AJ's corner. Yeah, Shane endorses him. Here's the thing, that's where I think we have to. <laughs> that's the thing where we have to say, okay, if we want Shane to be the babyface in this angle, which inevitably I think he's going to be by virtue of mm-hmm. what his character is and what he does. He's known for pulling off these high spots. Shane's one of those characters where, no, he's not that impressive in the ring, but because we know him to be this larger-than-life character that will risk it all, he's going to get cheered anyway. And for him to you know, back AJ, it, it basically says, here's this guy who was backing you in the first place, and you're picking a fight with the guy who endorsed you. Um, so I've, they're doing what they can to set up AJ as a seal. I, don't I think, get that, no. but the problem that I have is, there's a certain level of delusion that comes into play mm. with heels. It's expected, but when it comes to AJ, it's like God. He's a smart man. heel. No, what he's being displayed as in this feud or with WWE, like twisting all of this yeah. stuff to try to make this match between him and Shane line up, it's just coming off as weird and. I can't really say that I'm liking it. Like, I understand yeah, I will where say. you want to position Shane as the face, so he's the one that goes for AJ. If you have to do that much and the things that you're doing don't make sense to get to the match, is the match really worth it? No, like, is it worth having? No, because here's the thing. I'll be honest with you guys. I really don't think that they've done a great job of trying to tell the story between AJ Styles and Shane McMahon because, I mean, think about it. You had AJ Styles, like, pretty much go through all these hoops for, like, the last month, and we really didn't get no progression. We didn't really get in a different place. I mean, we just ended up right back to where we were at the end of January after the Rumble with Orton versus uh, Bray Wyatt at the, at the, for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. So it's like, AJ, we all went through all of that without pretty much really any um, much interaction from Shane and AJ Styles because now I have a feeling they're going to have to like spend the next couple of weeks like trying to do their darndest to make a compelling story out of this mm-hmm. just so that people can get, can get into it. Yeah, I saw this video on YouTube where they had the cameras uh, backstage. Yeah. AJ comes backstage that looks so yelling at back. Shane and, you know, they're getting pissed off at each I didn't other. Like that. And yeah, it's yeah. like, I get it. I, I see all of this stuff that's happening, but come on now. Y'all yeah. are twisting yourselves into goddamn pretzels it's just telegram. to make this match make sense. And again, I'll say, is it worth it to do? I, I would understand if. A similar story that was being told with Daniel Bryan and The Miz mm-hmm. was being told with AJ Styles and Shane McMahon, where every now and again, we got some friction displayed between those two, that they had a bad relationship, and that story was told through a slow burn, through weeks and months of yeah. storytelling on TV. With this one, they're creating it out of thin air a few weeks before WrestleMania. Just so we can have the match. Yeah. yeah, let me ask you this question. Like, should AJ Styles be mad at Shane or who or should he really be mad at Daniel Bryan? Well, see, he can't be mad at Daniel Bryan because wrestling. Yeah, it, yeah, they, 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 there you go. But you get my point. Yeah, well, well, yeah, but the thing is, it's like he knows that Daniel Bryan can't compete in the ring so he's not going to be pissed off at Danny see that because wrestling it's like okay well I'm going to be mad at the person that I actually can wrestle like this I mean while while I admit that it's not the most concrete 
of feuds. And this was certainly the most substantive part of what's going to be their feud. I don't think it's strictly out of nowhere because they have been doing subtle things to hint at some uh, disgruntledness, if you will, that AJ has with Shane with just his general booking decisions. He's been questioning on Talking Smack. He's been questioning Shane. He's been questioning Daniel Bryan. And and he's only been met with Daniel Bryan saying, "Uh, I'm sorry about the decision, AJ, but that's above my pay grade. I can... But is AJ's disgruntled or was AJ's disgruntledness anything more than we got from any other heel on Talking Smack? Because Baron Corbin he can doesn't want a match. Good. Baron Corbin doesn't want a match with Shane. Uh, Alexa Bliss she doesn't want a match with Shane. You know what other yeah. heels have been on that show that have complained about um, the way that they've been handled? that don't want matches with Shane and have had a whole hell of a lot less than AJ has. AJ is a former champion. He's gotten opportunity after opportunity on SmackDown. So it's just that, you know, while there is something there, it's not enough there to justify the making of this match. Watch this be like uh, Kurt Angle versus uh, Shane McMahon from Backlash. I have a feeling this is what I mean, this type of match is going to be like. I mean, the story is not the same, but if it's, I mean, if the in ring is anything like that, no, 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 I'm not going to say because the in ring is going to be better than that because that match was, yeah. not, that match was not athletic. That match was not, uh, it was fun. It was a spectacle, but it was not, you and know, that was the point. technical. If it's anything like that, then I'll still be impressed. I don't know about you guys, but I did not like that women's segment from SmackDown. Fuck that. Oh, I'm sorry. You said SmackDown. I'll, let me yeah. backtrack. I thought you I thought you were about to say Raw. I didn't like that either. <laughs> I mean... I got a video coming about the one on Raw. Okay, but as far as SmackDown, like the SmackDown women, am I the only one that just finds it very lazy that they're just going to throw all the women on the available roster into like one match just so everybody can get like a participation award just for being at WrestleMania. You are you know, not the only one. I am right there with you. Right. I there. mean, we're going to, we all have the same seats sitting next to each other at WrestleMania. So we're all going to be there. Uh, we're literally going to be right there with you, but yes, yeah. I, I'm there with you in spirit right now, because I saw that t- uh, it, I, someone said on Twitter, uh, this is Will Pruitt. He writes for ProWrestling.net. He's my favorite pro wrestling analyst out there. He did the math, and he said there have been 75 WrestleMania matches since the last time women had a singles match. At Jeez. Good Lord have mercy. 75. So are we counting, are we counting the one from like WrestleMania 25 when that one happened? Yeah, I think it was like a. That was um, wasn't that the battle royal? No, I think that was a one up. That yeah, that was a one on one lumber jail match. The one at twenty five. At twenty five. Does a lumber jail match count as a singles competition? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but but either way, like I'm just not seriously. I like I, I'm sorry, but it's like I don't know if it's just me as a fan being selfish or if I'm just being like ridiculous. But it's just like I'm not a big fan of like. WWE, here's the thing, we really understand that WrestleMania is basically, when we take ourselves out of it, it's a business, and for them, that's their, that's their payday, that's their, that's, that's where they make their most money, is when you're on the come, when you're at WrestleMania, I mean, but it's like, you're just getting a participation grade, when we know that these competitors, from character standpoint, from a storyline standpoint, don't have any chance at winning the match or winning that championship. So it's like, why not just have a meaningful one-on-one feud? Like, honestly, I would much prefer it if it was Alexa Bliss versus, versus Mickey James, one-on-one for the SmackDown Women's Championship, because at least there's enough story that they could go off of from Mickey James' return leading into now. But it's just like, when you throw everybody in just like one big multi-person match. And I hope we don't get a lot of multi-person matches on this show. And I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. So the last uh, women's singles match at WrestleMania was WrestleMania 23. Damn. Melina 
versus Ashley in a lumberjack match. Yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That. That's what I was. That's the one I was thinking. Yeah, the one at twenty five. That was Santina Marella. Huh. I don't huh. know. I, you know. Rico is just rolling over right now. <laughs> um. I think the reason that they're doing this, and, it's, and yes, of course, they're um, you know everybody featured on the WrestleMania card gets a, an increased payday, and a singles competition between Alexa and Mickey would be a much better uh, program. But I, I think the honest reason they're leaving it open with a battle royal is that it gives uh, it gives reason for Naomi to be able to come back and possibly win if she's cleared by yeah. WrestleMania. I don't know, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to give WWE enough credit to have that much foresight but if she is cleared by Wrestlemania at least if she enters and wins there's not um, a complaint about an absence of uh, storyline reason and hey she she would win in her hometown like I said it'll be in Orlando so that'll be a hometown hero are not going to be from Orlando though I'm from Jacksonville and I don't care like I'm only <laughs> two hours away like I mean hooray for her but who gives a shit <laughs> I mean I'll be there I'll be there cheering as uh, as if I'm ten Orlandans or whatever the hell it Orlandoans. That sounds right. Orlandans. Is it just um? Is it just me or did Bailey versus Sasha Banks from Raw Monday did not feel special? That, that dude, that booking is so ass backwards. Let, let me tell you. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> This would have worked so much better if we had did some, done some role reversal and mm. had Bailey been the one who won the number one contendership and been inserted into the match. Um, I think it would be a whole lot more effective than to have Sasha being the one who's you know going back to her playing the I've had this dream since I was a little girl shtick because I'm getting so sick and tired of seeing that. Um, we've already addressed that Bailey's on-screen character for the main roster has been done so many missteps. Um, and I think more than you know, I, I, I think not only was this not a very impressive match, just because we've, you know, no matter what they would have done, we wouldn't have been happy to see this match between Bailey and, uh, Bailey and Charlotte, just because, uh, sorry, Bailey and Sasha Banks, cause we've seen it a lot. Well, you know, there are only realistically four viable contenders in the women's division on raw. And we've seen so <laughs> many different combinations that we're just getting, exhausted at seeing at seeing these matches um so i i was not impressed i i didn't enjoy it at all and not to mention you know i called it on twitter i'm like you know what i don't think i think wwe is getting cold feet about nia Jax. i'm gonna say she's not coming out and it's just gonna be a a flop interference so in the match good keep her out she's not i'm I'm fine with that i'm fine with that keep her out (laughs) well i'm saving my thoughts on this one Really? Yeah. Don't worry. Hey, what's that? He'll have a video with a really loud shirt, and it'll be it'll be yeah. perfect. Yes. Uh, I will say, yeah. Like I'm actually like really, I'm I, I'm fine. No, and is it no disrespect and no offense to Nia Dex, but it's like I honestly think they wanted to do a one-on-one match with her at WrestleMania, but it's just like. It's like, for some reason, I see it every single week. Nia Jax is just not getting it. I, I will say, though, she's gotten better in her in-ring stuff, but it's just like something about her still just, for me, just doesn't seem crisp enough to warrant her being at a WrestleMania for the number one women's championship in the company. Especially when you know that Bailey. Sean and Sasha, well, we know that we're confident in all their abilities to deliver a great match, but we haven't seen that a lot out of Nia Jax. Yeah, it's, I think it's just the start and stop booking that's really been hurting her character. Um, you know, maybe I'm making some assumptions here, but I get the feeling that Nia Jax is really, they're struggling to find her character. She's in her own identity crisis because they want to make her a monster, but at the same mm-hmm. time, she is fairly attractive and yeah like they're also trying to keep her pretty and be a monster and sorry but you know wwe booking is sometimes black and white and we can't have it both ways and because that's the issue her because that's the issue that her character faces i truly think they don't know what to do with her and not to mention she's already submitted 
to Sasha Banks and lost clean. <laughs> they've they've already screwed that over. So I, I don't know what steps they can take to redeem her at this point. The way that I see it with Nia Jax is that they don't want to pull the trigger quite yet because yeah. I believe that with a character like that, once you pull the trigger, you got to go full force. It mm-hmm. can't be a situation where it it was like Sasha and Charlotte. Your the, the title was jumping back and forth between those two. With her being as big as she is, with her being as dominant as she is, towering over everyone oh, in the cool. division, you gotta go hard. So all basically, <laughs> proud Southern people ready to fight. Yeah, but um, <laughs> see, I know the words. I know the words, but um. Yeah, so with her, it can't be that back-and-forth hot potato type thing. You, They have to be in it for the long haul. So that's probably why things seem a bit off with her booking, because you don't want her to get too dominant, because once she does, she's got to run through everybody. Right away train. Yeah, she's got to knock everybody down. But, you know, if that is one of her signature traits, you do run into an issue. Yeah, but but we'll, again, we'll see what happens. And um, how about what? And also, let's talk about the greatness of how much of a blessing Neville has been for that damn cruiserweight division, and how awesome that segment that he had with Austin mm-hmm. Aries. Like that, honestly, could not have worked any perfectly for the WWE for the cruiserweight division. Like they finally have an alpha male in Austin Aries to be in the cruiserweight division. And he made his uh, in-ring back. He made, he finally returned back into the ring on 205 Live this week. And I actually watched a full episode for the first time since that show started. I still Good. wasn't that impressed, but I did enjoy him and uh, Tony Nese going at it. I will say that. But, but yeah, like those two, get this match one-on-one, please. You already have my money, but I'm still going to say it. Shut up. Take my money. Yeah, finally, Neville can get some much-needed relief for his back. He's <laughs> oh, yeah. hell out of the Cruiserweight division. And I don't say that to say that everybody else in the division sucks except for Neville. Oh, you can't but, handle this? But he's been putting in work. He's really been putting in work. And when it comes down to the really, really interesting characters and, you know, just a guy who's um, a delight to see, he's always doing something interesting, Neville has been that guy. And I think that that's an appropriate way to describe Austin Aries when you're saying an alpha male, because he has a great presence about him that if you put him up against Neville with him doing all of the good things that he's doing, we could be in for some good stuff. Yeah. I will say um, I'm not too familiar with Austin Aries body of work outside of WWE. I mean, outside of his commentary position and now him just entering the ring. Um, I'm not familiar with at all with his TNA work, but I've heard predominantly good things. Um, I, from what I've heard on commentary, I know he's charismatic. I know he can talk on the microphone and the crowd was smart to his, uh, to his attacking Neville on Monday night. And I think Mm -hmm. we're in for a very, very good program because Neville has been a diamond in the rough in that 205, 205 live, uh, the cruiserweight division and Austin Aries who already has a backing with the hardcore fans, uh, this can only go up from here. You know, I, we've got an honest heel in Neville and uh, what I would consider to be a baby face, even though he's put himself over as a heel commentator. Yeah, um, which is why I consider him a tweener. I, I, I also hope his character is more of a tweener type guy because he just can't like – and, Jay, I don't know if you saw when we first uh, saw him in NXT, it's like he can play a baby face, but you can tell he doesn't fit that role because mm-hmm. it's just like – he is just way too confident in himself to be like his name. This this characterizes this. You know, this guy in real life has to be a mother freaking douchebag, but he's a good guy. <laughs> I think he's a vegan, so that says a lot right there. Yeah. Oh, don't don't get Duke started. You know how Duke is about shitting on alternative diets. And I really uh, I really enjoyed the uh, Rich Swan match. On Monday, and I will say I'll give Jack Gallagher his props for that match on Sunday night yes. at Fastlane. Neville, as I said, putting in work. He had the the two best matches on both shows, back to back nights, kick ass matches from uh, Neville, and of course, uh, Rich Swan, Jack Gallagher, great mm-hmm. um, 
they had a great part to play in everything as well. Cherry on, man. All right, we got anything from Raw? Cheer me on, man. Oh, the return of Chris Jericho. Is it amazing on how he was a heel, like, what, last month? And he just immediately turned it around with the stick he's got, and he organically made it into a babyface turn. Yeah, because the only reason why he was a heel is because that's what, that's where WWE positioned him. He was going up against faces like Seth yeah. Rollins and Roman Reigns. But, I mean, that the gimmick that he had is not a gimmick that should have garnered booze. So, not, WWE uh, basically, they've basically just given us permission now to cheer him. Yeah, people were doing it before anyway. Yeah, yeah. Jericho's got the kind of him, the person, uh, has the kind of staying power where it's not Undertaker esque, but it's kind of in that vein. In that he's garnered enough respect with the fans that no matter where he is, he's going to get cheered. Uh, You know, the list still sells. And honestly, uh, if we're talking about the segment as a (laughs) whole, the list still sells. Honestly, if we're talking about the segment as a whole. I'm wishing we got more of the Kevin Owens that we saw in that segment mm-hmm. during, Thank his, you. during yep. his Universal Championship run because there was no Thank comedy. You. The Amen. only comedy that was there was on Chris Jericho's part, and he was just talking to the audience, milking, you know, being a ham, and that's perfectly fine. But Kevin had nothing but serious points to say. Where the fuck was that? Where and were no- you? What was great about it also was the fact that when Jericho was like, why can't we do it right now? What's stopping you? And I was just like, he what's stopping me? Nothing. Down there. Yeah. And yeah. I thought he was going to pull that little heel stuff where he was yeah. going to get on the apron and back side. off. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do that and walk away. When he actually got into the ring, throwing blows, I was like, okay. And nice, nice it was like, Kevin. yeah, it was like he wasn't handcuffed anymore. It was like a, it was like this. It go, is it people? Isn't it? I know that you're still whining and you're bitching and complaining when we already told you we don't know why you were. You should have expected this, so you need to deal with it. But people, think about it. If taking the Universal Championship away from that fat man, and we can finally get fight Owens fight again, I've been cool with it. You, yeah. you know what's funny? It seems to be that the Universal Championship, at least for Kevin Owens, seems to block his vision and block his um, brainwaves because a rare trait for a heel to be displayed is object permanence, uh, which is the idea that an object doesn't disappear when it goes out of, out of sight. And what Kevin Owens displayed this past Monday was object, object permanence in that he realized, hey, Chris Jericho has the U.S. title. I actually kind of like the fact that Kevin Owens is using the U.S. title and challenging Chris Jericho for the U.S. title as a point of revenge um, because Chris Jericho wasn't doing anything with it. I mean, he no, held the but... title. He held the title just, you know, as a title. Like, here, yeah. you are the U.S. champion. Kind of like Dean Ambrose did forever ago. Um, <laughs> I like the fact that Kevin Owens said, you took this from me. Now I'm going to take that from you. Kevin Owens realized, hey, I've got something to gain here. Yeah, but again, also, we might as well get used to seeing the United States Championship defended more often, like as that, like, top-tier championship, because with Goldberg and Lesnar probably going to be holding that championship hostage from the night after Mania, leading to, like, whatever day SummerSlam is in August, it's just going to be a complete abysmal. No, it ain't. All the... mm-hmm. nope. Well, all the guys on Raw, they ain't got nothing to fight for. They're just going to be spinning their wheels. Like, what are all the major top guys on Raw going to do? Fight over number one contendership. Do that. Oh, oh, watch it to be watch it be Roman Reigns. And yes, people, this is the plan. This is the plan. Brock Lesnar wins the championship at WrestleMania. We get months of boring build with Roman Reigns. So we can finally get the rematch (laughs) from WrestleMania 31, and that's when Roman Reigns finally beats Lesnar at SummerSlam in August. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Okay, we'll see. We shall see. But my whole thing on that matter is the Universal Championship sitting on Goldberg's fireplace at home or sitting in Brock Lesnar's gym bag 
would be a whole hell of a lot more valuable than the Universal Championship that we've seen on Monday Night Raw every single week. It's going to be a luster situation from 2014, though. When he Bring always it on. Twice. Bring it on. Jay, how in the world can you say that when he only defended the title twice and that reign was bad in itself? Because a world champion, I believe, it, you could benefit from telling a story as if the world champion is above the rest of the roster. The because if is, that's the message that you want to send, but that problem- this is the baddest man in the damn company, and with the belt being on a person like Brock Lesnar, he's like, you peons down there fight over the chance to get to me. I like that. But the problem is they didn't do a good job the first time when they gave the WWE World Heavyweight Championship to Lesnar after SummerSlam. They didn't do a good job of necessarily doing that. I like Lesnar's run as champion. That only works because Lesnar's not going to be there for full time. Do you really think that you could put the Universal Championship on a full-time superstar and tell the same story? No, and that's the WWE's fault for not making new stars or having us care about them. Like, honestly, Kevin Owens, I like the fact that he brought that he has a rematch with Goldberg. He wants to utilize it anytime he wants, but it's like we're going to get into a situation where sometime WrestleMania next year, if you were going to be like, is that that spiked hair um, porcupine fat guy named Kevin Owens? Didn't he lose to uh, Goldberg in like 20 seconds? And they're probably, the Casuals are probably going to try to take that guy seriously. Nope. I ain't mad at the thought of Goldberg as universal champion, nor am I mad at the thought well, of Brock as universal champion. Bring it on. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm just saying, just I'm just gonna be ready and prepared because the IWC is gonna be up in arms. It is gonna be tough to sit. When the are wall. they not? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> okay, so let me go ahead and bring Tony on air. Okay, Dalton, get ready. Get, sitting, get ready. Sitting here like Michael Jackson with the popcorn, just waiting for the fireworks. I'm being right here. I mean, maybe we won't get fireworks though. You'll see. Can, can we get a fizzle? I don't know. It's up to her. Listen. Tony? I literally got it. I mean, it's sort of a fizzle. Hello? Hello? Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. This is really weird. Can you hear this still ringing in your ear? No. Okay. So what's up? Um... So, All right, hold on. I'm going to have to get out of this thing because it just keeps ringing in my ear. I can barely hear you. Okay. Okay, don't know about that. You just so. <laughs> the good thing we're not live. Yes, we are. No, good thing we're not on YouTube. That's what I meant. But, I mean, we're on a wrestling show. We can still talk about wrestling. What else is there out there to uh, discuss? Um. Hmm. What was it? Oh, the, I, I, well, isn't it? I know you're, you're going to talk about Reigns with Tony Stone, but the damn man. Yeah, it was nice to see The Undertaker back in WWE. I can say that. Can I just get Undertaker versus Braun Strowman? <laughs> <laughs> mm, no, he's. Well, think too... about this. You got to think about it's this. It's a year though. too early. But here's the thing. For the. Here's the thing. You got to say, though, for like the second week in a row, or at least in a month, I mean, Braun Strowman stood in the ring with somebody who was over, like, what, 40 or 50, and they got a this is awesome or like a holy shit check. That says something about Braun Strowman right there. Because the, the, the Chicago crowd wanted that. Chicago crowd wanted a lot that they didn't get. Yeah, they wanted a certain cookie puss, and Stephanie McMahon took care of him on that regard. So I will say though that um, I didn't like the fact that Strowman backed down. Yeah, I after that loss to Reigns, it kind of made him. I mean, like I understand the mythos is that they're supposed to cower in fear, or at least most are supposed to cower in fear of the Undertaker. Um, But it it wasn't so much a backing away for respect. I kind of felt like after losing to Reigns. And being uh, being uh, demoted 
or at least you know, taking taking the fire away from him as as you will. Um, I did not like that uh, Braun backed away in the manner in which he did. Yeah, it's like having those two things back yeah. to back. That was salt in the wounds because it's like if you had done that with uh, Braun Strowman and the Undertaker at any other time, maybe I'd understand. But right after. Right after he gets his ass kicked by Roman Reigns, and he comes out like, okay, well, I'm all about my business right now. Dude, you got a date with the devil, or you got a date with doom, or whatever it may be. And for him to give up in that way, I didn't really like it. But I do understand where people are coming from, where they say, you know, it was a sign of respect. Yeah. And, you know, I understand that. I get it. I, I, mean, I get it, too. But since yeah. when has Braun Strowman shown respect for anybody else on the roster? Yeah, but here's the thing. Undertaker isn't like everybody else on the roster. And a good retort there. So, yeah. He's the only remaining icon. All right, Tony, are you good to go now? I am. Okay, so before we get these festivities underway, I have to explain to people why it is that you are here right now. We were just talking about Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. I was watching Fastlane, and... After I see Roman Reigns beat Braun Strowman, I put out a tweet there saying that Roman Reigns beating Braun Strowman was BS. You respond to that tweet by calling me a hater. You Tough said some hater. other stuff too. You Tough said some other hater. stuff too. But that was the one thing that stuck out to me because I'm sitting here like, I? Me? I'm a Roman Reigns hater? Okay, this is some damn news here. So I responded back to you. We kind of went back and forth. And I wanted to know from you, what is it that you like about Roman Reigns? Oh, the list could go on and on. I actually had a physical list, and I can't find it at the moment. But we'll go. We'll push on anyway. That's convenient. Um, Yeah, whatever. Anyway, but what I was going to say is I know everybody hears me talk about how he's beautiful because, well, he is. You know, I have eyes. But that's not what it takes to make me love a wrestler. I've loved plenty unbeautiful wrestlers because something about them grabs me. And one of the main things about Roman Reigns that I love is, for me, he's kind of a throwback to old school faces. Um, That whole you know, solid, powerful dude who sometimes he meets a a challenge that he doesn't look like he's going to be able to overcome. But in the end, he powers through. And, you know, he's charming and funny when they let him be, you know. And I just, I feel like he, in some ways, is kind of, he's a badly booked face version of Charlotte. Huh. He he is a because, he is badly because, booked. Because the thing is, if you see him in certain interviews and certain times that he's been on the you know been on screen and things like that, you see him talk about the dynasty and how he's building a legacy and how he's building on a legacy and how no matter what he'll never stop because he's not just doing it; he's carrying, you know, he's standing on the shoulders of those who came before and and carrying on the legacy for those who'll come after him in the Usos. So, you know, it's it's built into who he is as a person, but also into his character. They just don't show it properly. So sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't, and it's really inconsistent. Now, I can understand the inconsistency angle, and it frustrates me no other as well. But it's annoying to me to see people who will sit there mesmerized by his matches, and in the next breath, if you don't, absolutely love the ending or something like that. Oh, it's all Roman's fault. Oh, he's awful. Oh, he's this. But you will sit through every single match he has. All of them. You complain, but you never miss his matches. He can't be that bad. Dude, really. I'm serious. Because, I mean, even the haters will will fast forward everybody else, even their favorites. They'll fast forward to Sammy, Sammy Zayn before they'll fast forward to Roman Reigns. And then they'll bone the entire Roman Reigns match about how Sammy Zayn would have did it better. Then why'd you fast forward him, dude? Why'd you have nothing to say about your little homie? 
because he's not as good. He's not as charismatic. He's not good. Charismatic. And the okay. thing is, charisma is something that you can't teach people. Mm-hmm. And booking, booking can't overcome charisma in either direction. If you truly have that kind of charisma, you can be badly booked and survive to come out to a better booking. The same way, if you don't have charisma, bad booking will murder your character and everything else about you. So what you're saying right now is that Roman Reigns does not have that charisma then because the way that I see him, he, he's not he, he's getting bad booking, but he's not coming out better on the other side. I'm not saying that he's the better like the, the best that he's ever going to be. I'm saying he's surviving it. Because the thing is, if they change his booking tomorrow, it changes everything. And people who were whining about him before will start rooting for him tomorrow. But the thing is, some people, they, won't, they wouldn't survive something like this. But the thing is, we know who he is. He says it. The announcers say it. He's the big dog. He's the, the, he's the one you got to walk through to make it to the other side. He's what the Undertaker oh, used to be. To be on the top. I'm sorry. Look, look, I'm not saying that this is way it is in the fans' minds necessarily. I'm talking okay. about how he's booked. He's booked as the guy you got to go through to be considered main event quality. Whether the fans like it or not, that's who he's booked as. Okay, so here's my thing. His matches live up to it. Whether you okay. like him or not, you like his booking or not, you think he's stupid or it's this or that or the other thing. His matches live up to it. Last year, out of ten w- the top ten watched videos on YouTube, seven of them included Roman Reigns. Seven. And you can't say that's all little kids or girls. Because guess what? I'm sure some of y'all were the ones watching it right along with them. But you say so much crap about him, and you say he's this, and he says that, and you say he's not. And the thing is, he still pulls through, and he still brings you back every single time. So you can bitch and moan for a few minutes, and you can try to have faith in Kevin James because for five minutes he was decent, and you can swear Samoa Joe is the, is the second coming even though he had about two weeks of good in his started to already peter but the thing is through it all the good the bad the hate the love the passion is with roman reigns okay so when you you said a lot there i'm going to try to dissect this here going back to you saying roman reigns is surviving what exactly is your definition of survival because it's easy for you to pull in the argument of a person that dislikes Roman Reigns so you can have something to argue against and favor of Roman Reigns, but you are talking to someone right now who is actually a Roman Reigns fan. I am not a closed-minded person that looks at Roman Reigns and says, by any means necessary, I will hate you. I will dislike every single thing that you do. You are talking to someone right now who was a big-ass Roman Reigns fan who put money down to meet this dude at SummerSlam. You were talking about a Roman Reigns fan who my grown ass was on YouTube making live reaction videos where after Roman Reigns won the WWE Championship at Survivor Series in, what, 2015, and Sheamus cashed in Money in the Bank, I punched my TV. After Roman Reigns beat the hell out of Triple H at TLC, I went nuts. After Roman Reigns finally captured the WWE Championship once again, I went nuts. That's who are you, that's who you're talking to right now. You're not talking to a person who hates every single thing that Roman Reigns does. You have a person who is ready, willing, able, and open to cheer for Roman Reigns. But I am telling you, what I see from the guy right now is not compelling. He's not interesting. He's dull and uninspired. And when you describe him with all of these things about how powerful, how strong, how tough he is, how charismatic, how charming – All of those things are like archetypes. They're very basic and simple definitions of a character. What I want to know is what are the moments that Roman Reigns is experiencing on TV that display those things and build up a character? You're asking for the storyline, and I already admitted that the booking is not the best. However, I will say this. 
as far as the booking, it's not the most consistent. It's not the strongest. But there is a thread throughout it all. Every announcer, every match, every match up that you want to see with a a full-timer nine times out of ten, if they're not on the injured list, it involves Roman Reigns. Everybody was talking about how the Samoa Joe-Roman Reigns match should have been a a pay-per-view. Because I I also think that it, it could have been a better match, and it would have been if they'd had the proper build on it. But the thing is, it was still a pretty phenomenal match, especially for a Monday night on Raw, especially for it being a filler for, you know, them trying to figure out what they're going to do now that Seth Rollins is injured. And it was still a phenomenal match. And he was still the gatekeeper. And what did he come out to say? That he is the gatekeeper to the next level. I'm sorry. It's the truth. It's how they write him. I'm not saying that you have to like it or you have to agree with it, but that's how they write him. Every time they, there's someone who's got to prove that they're the biggest and the baddest, they have to go through Roman Reigns. Now, they are setting Braun Strowman up to be that next gatekeeper, but in a heel format. So what I really think was happening here at Fastlane, I think what most people were seeing as killing his heat is the first step in their story. I feel like right now they're trying to build Roman to a peak so that when he faces Strowman again at like a major pay-per-view, it's going to be for the WWE title. Because I think that this is a build towards rematch between Brock and Roman. And then once Roman manages to overcome Brock, it's going to be Strowman versus Roman again. And this time, Strowman's going to take the strap. But I think that it's a long-term booking, which WWE is not always good at anymore, where right now we're supposed to have one strong face who, even when it doesn't make sense, manages to pull out the win. He manages to fight through it all. He manages to pull to the top. He's got to be the guy who, even when he's physically not the strongest, he's got the biggest heart. And that's what they're writing him as. I don't, I, it is. I mean, you may not like it. You may not agree that it's consistently booked for him, but that's what they're booking him as. And I, myself, enjoy the character. I mean, I, I don't love it. It's like I did, like with, like you mentioned in that video between him and AJ Styles. I loved it then, but I still enjoy it now. Okay. And I, I, I think part of the reason I'm able to enjoy it through the lows is because I kind of see a bigger picture. They're going, the, the rumor is they're going to retire the Undertaker so he can get hip surgery. And he doesn't want to re-injure his hip afterwards, so he won't be wrestling anymore. So they need somebody who's a full-timer, who's going to be here for the long haul, who can take, in, who, who can take that position as ring general to a degree. And who do you really have that can do that? I mean, really, legitimately, who do you have? Samoa Joe's too fresh onto the main roster. Um, Strowman is still too fresh. You know, you're still doing his monster build. You know, you just threw him through Big Big Show, and Big Show's on his way out, so he's not getting it. You know, it's not going to be Seth Rollins because he's fragile. It's not going to be Sami Zayn because he's lame. It's not going to be, you know, Chris Jericho because he's about to take a break. It's not going to be Kevin Owens because he's flip-floppy. One second he's halfway decent, half one second he's halfway out the door as far as I'm concerned. You know, so it's just like who else do you have that has that power like that powerful persona in the face category or in the non face category who's got a legitimate experience level that could be the passing of the guard, Roman. And I know you say Cena, but Cena's not long for this company. For real, for real. You can see it by the fact that every time he leaves, he leaves a little bit longer than the last time. He's, he's basically stringing it out worse than The Rock ever did. <laughs> okay. Real, for real. So, so it's not going to be that's – why, that's why they put Roman instead of Cena. Because if you're handing over the ropes to someone to be the next ring general, the next guy that needs to be taken down, you know, if you want to get to that next brass ring – who do you have? You've got Roman. 
Now, they've got to do a better job of booking it so that it purely reads to everybody. But I can see the writing on the wall. I don't know why anybody else can't. So here's the thing. <laughs> you have acknowledged that the guy is not being booked well, but you continue to want to push him through to the top. You continue to want to give him these wins. You continue to want to give him these moments. You continue to want to put him into this position to be the gatekeeper, legitimately the guy in WWE. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering where the where does everything connect? Because you're saying that this is a long game. Mm-hmm. How the hell long is this game? Like this is a years long buildup that I'm not buying into for some undetermined moment in the future that's supposed to be the payoff. How do I get invested in that? Because this is not okay. making sense to me. I am already invested because I enjoy his matches. I enjoy his match quality. I enjoy the way he tells a story in the ring. So guess what? That is why I watch him. So guess so. I'm like I said, the booking is inconsistent. But we've seen what he's capable of if the booking is is set completely right. But right now he's not awful. He's still not Sami Zayn. Thank God, you know. So basically. I'm giving WWE time to fix the booking. Is is how I see it in my mind. I'm how long are you night. willing to give him when it gets to a point where the balance is tipped in favor of crappy booking? How how, how is it that you still define Roman Reigns by the good moments? If if it's I'm not because they keep happening. Because the thing is, when every you watch moon. No, because I'm watching the Strowman-Roman thing, and while the booking is not the best, it's also not bad. You seem to be thinking that if I say it's not the best, then I mean it's the worst. No, that's not what I said. It's not the best. For you to be building up Roman Reigns in the way that you are, I'm just not seeing it on screen. I'm not seeing it on screen at all. I don't know how not. I mean, I mean, maybe you're not enjoying it, and I'm sorry to hear that. But there, but I'm not the only one. I'm really not. So I don't know what it is that I'm seeing and others are seeing that you guys are missing, or maybe you're just sick of him. I don't know. I don't know because people go in and go in and out on people. Even if they are the same character that they liked in the beginning, they might not like him at, later on. I can't figure out he's, what... He's, he's most definitely not the same. Not at all. He's not that different. They've taken away a lot of his mic time. That's pretty much the main difference. Oh, and he doesn't have the strap. as Well, at least as far as one of the last best ones he uh, bookings he had. I really, like I said, that was probably the best one he's had in a long time, him and AJ Styles, and then they've been pussyfooting with him since that Shield thing. All right, any closing comments? Because we are pro, well, actually, we're past time now for uh, the end of the show, but any uh, closing comments? Tony? Yes, um, I am disappointed in the booking of Samoa Joe. I am slowly but surely losing whatever hard-on I had for him when he came on. Um, I was so excited for him to be that destroyer character, but he's turning into a puppet, and it's driving me absolutely up a wall. I need him to pull like a Randy Orton style mind fuck at some point. Excuse my language. Oh, and, not a not a Randy Orton style. Mm-mm. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a fire, but like I need him to be playing a game, and then I need him to you know not be this zombie dude half the time, and half the time be like a beast because that that's uh, he's he's too fresh. For him to be that inconsistent and me to buy it. Okay. Well, thank you, Tony, for uh, being on the show tonight. And um, Cass, Dalton, anything before we head off of there? 
I am. Someone just shoot me. I'm. Uh, I'm surprised you remembered we're here. Yes. Uh, but uh, I'm totally kicking both of your asses in the push-up contest. No, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah. Yeah, no. I am. Oh, I got numbers for you. I, I, I got receipts. So after we get are off those, this call. Wait, are those the same receipts that you buy that crappy cereal from Fulon? I buy the good stuff, excuse me, you. I buy the wonderful, amazing cereal. You're the ones that buy that, 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 that knockoff shit that comes in the bags. They don't even think highly enough of the cereal to put it in a box. That's when you open the box, what is it in? It's in an unmarked bag that is insignificant to the grand scheme of things. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even think enough of the cereal to put it in a nice decorated bag. Because there's the box. There's the this box. Is, this is just a medium we're not going to agree yeah. on. <laughs> Your hatred of bag cereal is unreasonable. Your hatred of boxes cereal. I never said I. I never box. said I hated a box cereal. I just I don't hate questioning it. box cereal is unreasonable, and I feel personally attacked right now. <laughs> all right, thank you all for tuning in to the PWF Empire podcast. We will be back next week. Until then, on behalf of all of my co-hosts here, I am Jay. Thank you for tuning in. Peace.